Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You don't realize how big one of those animals are. Even if you see one in the zoo, you've got no fucking idea how big that animal is until it's 10 yards and there's no cage between you and it and it's coming for you like that. And I can still see as she was racing at me like that, like they lunge, they full on lunge like that. Like as she was lunging, I can still see her hair going like, like buff. And every time she hit the ground, her hair would go boom, boom. G'day ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the podcast. My name's Isaac Butterfield, and this podcast right here couldn't be possible without the amazing people that have brought you this episode, the good human beings at Lifecycle. Lifecycle takes mushrooms from the natural world, turns them into extracts for you, delivers them to your door, and allows you to harness the natural energy that comes from the earth. People have been consuming these since the dawn of time, and I've been doing it now for about four months, and I absolutely love them. I have the lion's mane and the cordyceps mushrooms in the morning to fire me up and get me into a positive rhythm throughout the day where I try and achieve every single thing I want for that day. In fact, I've tested the lion's mane extract, and it's actually, I tested it with a sleeping device. It's given me an extra, I'm not sure of the percentage, but it's, I think it's about 20%. Now, I'm not a scientist, okay, so don't freak out, but it's given me an extra about 20% REM sleep per night, which is actually massive, considering that's the part of sleep where you repair and you dream and all these type of things. Now, lion's mane has shown that throughout studies throughout the last 20 or so years. So that's a really interesting piece of information that you can actually read, take on board and implement within your life. So lion's mane, absolutely perfect. Cordyceps, fantastic. Reishi, turkey tail for the... Oh! Lifecycle is just absolutely incredible. Ladies and gentlemen, if you head to their website right now, lifecycle.com, you can go straight to the biohacking kit, get your hands on that. And do not forget to use the discount code in the coupon section, BUTTER20, to get 20% off. Ladies and gentlemen, this episode is an absolute cracker. So make sure you get down below, subscribe so you don't miss any of these. Make sure you check out the Butterfield Clips channel if you can't watch this entire thing or listen to this entire thing. You can always just digest the little clips. The link is down below. We're also on Spotify and iTunes if you want to listen on the way to work, at the gym, while you're rooting your missus, whatever you want to do, ladies and gentlemen, you can do that. But this episode is with an absolute Australian legend, with my friend Adam Greentree, the bow Hunter extraordinaire. The chats that we have in this episode are absolutely incredible. He talks about some death-defying feats, some moments in his hunting life, his expeditions across the world, and some of them are anxiety-inducing. They are terrifying. So make sure you stick around for those. Absolutely incredible. This is my chat with my good mate, Adam Greentree, and I hope you enjoy it. I've got a lot of really nice vegan followers, actually. Really? Yeah, don't know how. What is your relationship with vegans, Adam? I don't know any personally, like, <laughs> as, in, like as in family or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I do, I've got a lot of vegan followers. Mm. A lot. They might be like three, and those three keep sending me the same message. But, you know, they're just like, just so you know, I'm vegan, but I don't have anything against hunting. Mm. You know, they sort of understand it, so it's just their choice. I have the same with cyclists. 
there's a few cyclists that follow me and they're like, oh, yeah, I get it's just a joke. <laughs> just a few. But it's not. <laughs> yeah. It's dead serious. It's dead serious. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? That's rugged. Where have you been? Uh, I was just telling the boys I've just been doing family stuff. You've been all over the country. You just yeah. drove back from South Australia. Yeah, we drove around Australia and I've just been cleaning the truck up and getting organised, unpacking, yelling at kids, hmm. dad stuff. I was, yeah. saying, I was saying to Kim the other day, like, are you guys going to make it back? Because this is like the fifth time you're supposed to do the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I know. And then she was like, no, nah, no, nah, you're not going to make it. I was like, oh, okay, cool. No worries yeah. at all. And then you're in South Australia. So you've driven from South yeah, Australia. Yeah, we gunned it. So we went... We went up the top way, so we went New South Wales, up through Queensland on the coastline, up to Townsville, and we cut across through the Northern Territory and up through the Kimberleys in Western Australia. Stopped at my work, which is near Cape Lambert or Wickham or Roburn or people know Carafa, I think. Sure. Yep. But anyway, like real remote, yep. WA up high. And then we hung out there for a good solid week, 10 days or so. Mm. And then... We sort of gunned it back. So we went down WA, down to the bottom, then across the Nullarbor into South Australia and then skipped Victoria straight into New South Wales and then straight home. Jeez, you're everywhere. Yeah. It was, I think it was uh, 18,000 or 19,000 Fucking days. hell. Yeah. My car's only done 18,000 days. It? Yeah. yeah, we need to take it for a run. <laughs> yeah, I fucking do. That's all, all I do is drive it around here. The road. So the first time I met you was yeah. somewhere in Newcastle. We, were at, uh, we went out for breakfast, but I first saw you on Joe Rogan's podcast and I saw you talking about everything you do in the hunting realm and, and life in general. And some of it. Yeah. Some of it. Some of it. You went into detail. I think you were talking about the bear incident. Uh, Which one? Well, the, the one where you gun jammed. Oh, yeah, the bad, right. baddest one. The, the baddest one, yeah, the yeah. worstest one. Um, and I saw that and I was like, holy shit, this guy's Australian and crazy. You very rarely see Australians on Rogan's podcast. Mm. And, uh, and then you mentioned you live in Merriweather. I was like, holy shit, that's like five minutes from my house. And I reached out uh, through your lovely wife, Kim, and, uh, and we, we caught up. And, and you came to my very first comedy show. Oh, I did, yeah. In, in Sydney, the first, uh, first show of the tour, yeah. first hour that I've ever done on stage. And... And uh, you were, I think you were pretty impressed. So that was nice. You see me clapping and laughing. Yeah, just having a great time <laughs> up the back. <laughs> and um, you do some pretty hectic shit. And not intentionally either. Like mm. You go out and you do your treks and, and your, your hunting trips and all that type of stuff. But it always seems to go back to something just mental happens. Mm. Do you talk about the bear thing? with the gun and all that type of stuff. Have you talked about that too much, do you think? Because I think a lot of people would like to hear about it. I don't know. I don't know if I've talked. I usually do something and then I just move on, you know. So it's because you end up making, that's the normal then, you know. Yeah. Like getting charged by a bear becomes the normal and that's why I'm like, which one? Because right. I've done enough of those expeditions now that that just ends up becoming a good, you know, a good part of the trip. Mm. It's, it sort of becomes the regular. It sort of becomes the norm. So for me, I talk about it and just sort of move on. But if you want to talk about it, I'll talk about it. I mean, I don't know. Do you want to talk about it? I don't I'd, like to talk about it. I'd like to talk about the bear. Shit. What I talk What's about. These, what are these bears like? I've never seen a bear. Well, they've got different attitudes, yeah. so put it that way. There's a place that I hunt in Montana regularly, and that's where they catch all the problem grizzlies and they remove them from, say, so say one moves into a town of uh, Livingston or something like that or um, Bozeman and it becomes a problem bear, they'll capture that bear there and they'll actually release it in one of my favorite hunting spots. So it becomes, that's the real, they're very regular there and they're used to humans. Hmm. But in saying that, I've never had any issues with bears there. They're all male, 
there's, I've never seen a female there because your problem bears are usually a female of cubs. Instinctively, she just wants to protect the cubs. And if you're a threat, then yeah, she's going to try and go you. But can you tell it's a female straight away, or is it the behaviour? You, you can't. Talks? And and females are fine, but if they've got cubs, if you mm. see a female with cubs, it's like no, you stay sort of clear. Yeah. So anyway, that place has got tons of bears. Every time I go there, I have bears come to, towards camp or in the camp. I have bears try and steal my kill, so I'll go and shoot an elk. You'll go, you know, elk's such a big animal; it takes a few days to carry and collect all the meat and recover it all. So a bear will end up getting on your kill generally in that time. I've still had no issues there. I've yelled at grizzlies, big grizzlies that have been on a kill and they've ran the other way. And uh, I've had uh, interactions with bears in British Columbia as well and that's sort of been the same deal. But this particular time I walked through um, the back of Idaho into Montana. I was trying to get into a spot that I thought wouldn't have a lot of hunters. And that seemed like a pretty good way to do it is, um, yes, walk through another state into the back of another state that you couldn't access from Montana or anywhere else. So I did that and on the walk in, I actually seen a sign um, that Parks and Wildlife had put up um, or forestry had put up probably. And it said, uh, attention, bear in area with cubs, very aggressive. And I was still another half a day's walk from that sign, like way, way back. So I was not really thinking about it. And I was actually going to a place that had a lot less bears than what I was used to. And it was like day three or day four the end, of the, the end of the day and I was trying to get back to my camp. I just had a little spy camp on top of the mountain there. And uh, this is all through the Rocky Mountains. So it's all like beautiful, picturesque country. And uh, I was sort of coming up on a slope and as the slope sort of flattened out, you can I could tell that I had seen her at the same time she'd seen me. We sort of just both met eyes as I was coming over the ridge. And I sort of just seen this bear's head there like that. And uh, you couldn't tell if it was a male or female, but I was at the point because I'm like 80, 100 yards away that I'm like, shit, stop. Like, How big are we talking? Grizzly, yeah. like a full-grown grizzly. It's got a head on it like that. It's got uh. a big pumpkin head on it, you know. <laughs> and um, anyway, I sort of just went one more step because she put her head down and then I lost sight of her because her head went down. So I had to take like one or two more steps to sort of get a look over the rise. And I took those couple of steps and looked and there was a cub at her feet and straight away I knew shit this isn't a good situation to be in and uh, I had a sidearm on me but I didn't pull it at the time and obviously I just hunt with a bow and arrow that's just for protection and um, yeah then she sort of turned and she looked back at me and then you know she's like she's like this big on the rise you know and then she just went and she just stood up on her back legs and she was fucking giant you know she was she was big and then by the time, because I seen her drop and she dropped with speed, like to come straight at me. She went from the stand position straight like that to speed. By the time I grabbed the sidearm off me and pulled it out, she was turning off like at 20 yards away. That's how fast they move. Fuck. And and I'd been practicing my buddy Ed. He's a he's a sheriff over there. He's the one that lent me the, the sidearm. And we'd been practicing and everything. So I'd been practicing drawing and shooting it accurately in a bad position, you know, in yeah. a bad situation. And, uh, and uh, you know, not to big note myself, but I was quick at getting it out. It wasn't like I was slow at getting it out. I just pulled it straight out. And by the time I got it there, she was already turning off 20 yards in front of me. She did a big huff. She turned off, she ran back around and there was sort of a bit of uh, brush in that there that you couldn't see through. And then she popped out the other side of the brush and she was back at the cub. And I seen the cub, or it might've been another cub. I don't know if there was two or just one cub, but I sort of seen a cub disappear. And then I seen a cub back at the tree and the cub hadn't climbed the tree. 
generally when the female does that, that's like a warning sign that a cubs, the cubs will shoot up a tree for safety. And the cub was at the bottom of the tree and she got and sniffed the cub and then she just come straight at me again. And uh, that's when I was yelling at her and uh, everyone thought that was hilarious, but it was just instinctively what was coming out of me. You know, I was well, like- what else do you do? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I you can't run because these things are, as you said, oh, yeah, extremely they, quick. You, yeah, you turn that, your back on them, that you're just as in as much trouble, but you're blinded then, you know? Yeah. And uh, I was yelling at her, like, fucking ease up, you fucking mollies up like that. And then she- <laughs> well, I What else she was do you yell? Me. No, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> hey, bear. And I thought she was on me and she just swiped the ground like 10 yards from me that time and just Ten turned yards. back to the cub. And then, and you know, obviously there's heaps of adrenaline going at this point and- um, I was sort of looking at the gun. I was because I, I think a part of me was like, why didn't the gun go off? You know, and, and then I was like, no, nah, I mustn't have pulled the trigger. Like I, I, I felt like I had weight on the trigger. Like you know, you just squeeze. You don't like yeah. shock it off. You just like squeeze. I felt like I had weight on the trigger, and it was like Ed's competition gun, so it's got a really light trigger. And she was back there at the cub for a second, and then that's when I start videoing because uh, grizzlies are highly protected in most of the U.S. And there's been cases where out of people have claimed out of self-defense have had to shoot a grizzly and those people have ended up in jail because they sort of want to see a slash on you. Yeah, yeah. You know? And uh, also I'm a foreigner in the country. So, I, like, I pulled the phone out. I wanted good proof of it. And, like, she's there and I'm sort of just quietly... Because I didn't want to make any big reactions, you know? I didn't want to make any real loud noises beyond me yelling at her when she was coming at me. Just instinctively I'd done that. And uh, so I'm just quietly, like, talking to the phone and I've got the pissed up like that and you sort of see me turning that because I was like fucking something don't look right but mate I was that full of adrenaline and then she was at the cub for a second and then she walked to around to the side slowly and this side here was all brush you couldn't see nothing and then I'm just like like where the fuck she coming out like I'm not going to see her until she's on me and I'm like if she comes a third time she's coming for me like she charged me 20 yards the first time 10 the second the next time she's fucking on me you know and um just to put these bears into perspective, where they live, where black bears are, like black bears are on all four, they're that big. A black bear stands up, it's up there. Like a black bear would maul me and you in two seconds flat. Uh, these grizzlies, I've talked to these guides where these grizzlies interact with black bears and they said the first swipe from a grizzly, that black bear is disabled. One swipe. So you're a person like, hmm. like we're thin skinned, you know, we're fucked. Yeah. And, uh, so then I couldn't tell where she was coming out. So then I started walking back real slow and then um, she popped back up at the cub and as she was popping up at the cub again and standing up, I'm walking back. So I'm losing the sight of her again because I'm walking straight back down the hill like this. And then I sort of get down the hill and I walk out and I get on the, the next ridge and like she's between where I've got to get to my camp, you know? And then anyway, I get to that upper ridge, it starts getting dark. Then I'm fucking walking in the dark. I've got no idea where she is. If she's trailing me because they're they're they do that a lot and um and then i'm sort of walking and i'm like fuck i'm surprised the gun didn't go off i was definitely i definitely put weight on the trigger you know i've still got the gun in my hand and then i look and the fucking shell's jammed so when i first cocked it back to go the shell had jammed and this is a funny story because rogan tells it sometimes like i had the wrong the wrong bullets yeah but they were the correct bullets, but they had such a flat face on them. So we did all the practice with a cheap bullet uh, and, and the projectile was just like a normal rounded off front. So um, 
we did all the practice with that. And then just before I was going to go hunting, my mate Ed said, take these, they're for big game. You know, they're like a like big hollow point. Yep. Okay. And that hollow point's got a real flat face on the projectile and it just jammed on the throat. Oh, right. And then it jam- that was it. It was jammed. So I ended up pulling it out. I could slide one in there manually so I'd have one shot if she come at me. And I, anyway, I walked back to the tent. I had to walk around a big loop around where she was last, got to the tent. And then uh, it snowed like a bitch that night too. It was like real bad weather. And I got up in the morning, packed up in the dark, packed all my shit up and hiked out like in snow up to there the whole way. And then I was like, the whole idea was I was going to hunt that spot even though my other spot's like nearly a guaranteed you're going to get on the elk and hunt, there's so many grizzlies there and every trip they come in the camp, like, you know, one, they'll be on like a three-day cycle where they do a big walk around the mountains, how they hunt. And uh, so like a grizzly will come and it'll come to like 100 yards of the tent. A couple of days later, he'll come past again. He'll come to 50 yards of the tent. And then one of the last trips with me, buddy Grant Hughes, the grizzly come right into the tent and was like breathing on the back of the tent. So I was trying to avoid going to such a high grizzly population. I tried Under Armour was going to come and film a hunt there. So I'm like, oh, at least I have people with me because I usually do these solo hunts. So we'll go there and then they couldn't come and do that hunt. They they couldn't film in that area. And then I talked Shane Dorian, you know, Shane Dorian. Mm-hmm. Talked Shane Dorian in the coming. He was going to come for a hunt. At least, and then I'm like, at least I have someone with me again. I'm not hunting by myself. And then Shane had to pull out. He got busy. And then... So then I was like, fuck, I keep going everywhere and running in the grizzlies. I'm just going to go to where I know the grizzlies always fucking are. And anyway, so I end up hiking out of there, <laughs> went into the gun store, bought, bought some shells that actually would cycle through that handgun, and then went to the spot where there's usually tons of grizzlies and I didn't see a single grizzly. And the second day I killed a big bull elk and yeah. hiked it out. What do you do? These will these bullets, these shells actually stop a grizzly or is it just like a deterrent? There's not, there's not a guarantee. Yeah. But. You know, it's like I always make a joke because people there's half the population's like that's in the hunting grizzly country is like carry bear spray. The yeah. other half of the population's like carry a Glock or a ten mil or something bigger. You know, and uh, and I always make the joke like because people have sprayed them before and it's fucking pissed them off with pepper yeah. spray and they go ballistic. And uh, there was a uh, can't remember his full name, but his name was Todd. I think he was a forestry worker. He had a sow, a grizzly sow, uh, jump him. She had cubs. She come and went, went to go him, and she actually, I think she got a hold of him the first time. He sprayed the hell out of her like he maced the fuck out of her, and she mauled him, and he was walking back like holding half of his fucking head onto his face pretty much. Like it, she tore right down there and ripped him up, and then she trailed him and come back for more. She hit him a second time going down the trail. So it's just like... Which way is the wind going as well? Like, yeah. what's the conditions? Is it windy as hell and you're trying to spray a grizzly when it's coming at you and, and then you cop it? What's the distance for this spray? Is this like a five-metre sort of it's thing? It's supposed or... to be like, yeah, it's close quarters sort of thing. I mean, that's close. Yeah. Like, I'd you... just prefer, not a jam gun, but I'd just prefer a gun and... Put and, it down. And go at it. Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah. That is terrifying. Yeah. Like, what It's happened? a full last resort. Of course. You of know, course. that's why when she stood up and she come the first time, I wasn't just like... Trying yeah. to squeeze the trigger off. The only time I reckon I squeezed the trigger was the second time when she was like at 10 yards. And I remember having to do this with a gun all the way like that. She was like there. And she turned off right at that spot, gave, it a, gave out a big huff and sort of smoked the ground <laughs> with her paw. Fucking hell. And then, yeah. I used to get shaky when I'd think and talk about it afterwards. Of course. Because 
you also don't, I just got one then all the way down my spine. You don't realize how big one of those animals are. Even if you see one in the zoo, you've got no fucking idea how big that animal is until it's 10 yards and there's no cage between you and it and it's coming for you like that. Yeah. And I can still see as she was racing at me like that, like they lunge, they full on lunge like that. Like as she was lunging, I can still see her hair going like like buff yeah. and every time she hit the ground, her hair would go boom, boom, boom. A big afro. Oh fuck, it was crazy, mate. What does that do to your psyche when you go back into a hunt? Um, you're aware of it, you're cautious of it and you're thinking of it. And I guess it depends what sort of person you are, but it's not a, I'm not doing that again sort of thing. You know, it's no, like, of course. it's a whole, you know, fuck it, it's that gay saying. Can you say gay on this show? It's the homosexual <laughs> <next>. saying. <laughs> <laughs> Just as a saying, I say that, but it's that whole gay saying of, um, you know, everyone's alive, but not everyone's living, you know, sure. it's that sort of thing. So I just, like, I don't want to die, but at the same time, I'm, I want to do what I do. Yeah. And that's the, that's the trade-off. You yeah. know, if you're going to hunt elk, you have to be aware of, you're in grizzly If country, you're going to yeah. hunt them in that country, yeah. Sure. Yeah. It, it's, I mean, bears are so foreign to us here. And people talk about the size of grizzlies and all that type of stuff. Like, people just don't sort of, is it, are we talking like 10 foot tall? Oh, they're giant. That, that, that bottom eve, which the viewers can't see, but they're taller than you and you're a big <laughs> lanky bastard. <laughs> yeah. Fucking hell. Yeah. What is, uh, when you get home and you tell Kim about it, your wife, like how does that make her? I think in the early days, she used to freak, you know, when I'd tell her those sorts of stories. And she's just so used to them now that she's just like... Part and parcel. Oh, yeah. 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 That's crazy. Yeah. I nearly, a couple of years ago, not this last recent trip to New Zealand, but... A couple of years ago, I, I was at the point where I had to either drop my backpack or I was going to fall about well, there's, three, there's, 400 metres. There's two New Zealand stories that yeah. I want to hear because you've told me both of these maybe a year ago. Yeah, yeah. And they're insane. Like the bear story, people have heard that before and that's pretty insane. Mm. But New Zealand, for a lot of people, you know, they think of New Zealand as just like similar to here, but it's not. Oh, it's completely It's different. fucking Mordor. Yeah. You know? It's Alps, straight out of the ocean, just fucking Alps. It's crazy. Yeah, it, yeah. Like you fly over it. And, we, and Zach and I, when we went over there, you fly over it. It looks like you're flying over. And when we flew over Switzerland as well, it's the same place. Yeah. It's just crazy. Yeah. It's like a carbon copy. And you, what do you hunt? What do you hunt in tar and chamois? So they're an introduced species. I, I go over red deer as well, but most of the risk is in um, like the Westlands, you know, so South Island, and uh, it's hunting the tar and chamois because they love those Alps. Like the and horrible country, like not horrible, but as in it's really hard to walk around on it. Most of it. So most people get a helicopter in. They'll fly to the top, and then you sort of hunt the tops, and then get a helicopter out. And that's, the, that's probably the smartest way to do it unless you know the country really well in the spot. But uh, the whole idea behind that is a lot of the dangers getting to somewhere because it's like, I've, you know, that's where you want to get to. There's only so many routes and you've got to climb it. Then you've got to climb back down. And the weather's harsh as well. So, and there's risk with a helicopter as well because once you get up the tops, it's like that, you know, you can fall on one side, you know, and a metre fall might turn into not stopping for four, five, six hundred metres to the bottom sort of thing. Um, there's cases where helicopters, there was one guy a couple of years ago, they dropped them off at a cabin and uh, they, they literally hopped out of the helicopter and the guy started sliding on the ground there and just kept going, mate. What, the helicopter got, slid or no, the dude? No, the dude when he hopped out. Oh, wow. Just slipped right there at the cabin and then kept going. 
Oh, fuck. So it's hardcore country. Yeah. But um, I usually like to, there's a bit of romance between me and just the hiking part, you know. Okay. So just the hike up and the hike out's a cool part of it, you know. So I always like to just start from the bottom and then go to the top and through the top and then come down a different way if I can, you know, just for the sake of exploring country. But uh, anyway, this one trip I was really struggling to get onto the chamois it was. And uh, I walked into an area that I didn't really know very well, got a bit of local knowledge on how to get in there and out. And I walked up there and they'd had a really bad storm. And uh, I camped up there for five or six nights, I think, up in the tops. And uh, when we had this really bad storm, it made it really difficult to go back the way that I came. So climbing up one is one thing. So you've got everything you need on your backpack. So you've got a big, heavy backpack on as well. Climbing up's one thing, but going down's another because when you're going forward, you, you, you're seeing it all as you go. When you're going back, you're blind to most of it, you mm. know? And uh, anyway, I pulled out a map and I studied the map and it showed a much more gradual contour down the mountain, a different way into like a stream that would lead down into the river and then I could follow the river back out to the road. And uh, I got there and uh, I was walking and got like crampons on, which is like spikes on the bottom of your boots ice axe and constantly going and going and going. What happens with these crampons if there's snow is the crampon will crush and compact the snow and then your spikes aren't going into solid ground anymore. They're sitting on snow. Just soap. And I didn't know, but I was on top of a glacier. So underneath was all blue ice, completely blue ice, but it had this much snow on top of it. And uh, as I was walking, the crampon jammed up, wouldn't hook onto the snow and I started sliding and I ended up getting the ice axe in. Couldn't go back up, and then and then I I knew that I could drop over a cliff and fall onto like big powdery ice ice uh, not ice snow, but there was definitely no way I could go back that way if I did it. So I sort of let myself go, and I got to this edge, um, end up throwing my backpack off this little edge, like you're only talking ten meters or so. It landed landed in real powdery <laughs> it's not a snow. Edge. How is that a little edge? <laughs> it's little enough. When 10 metres. I'll tell you the rest of the story, it's little enough. Fuck me, Dad. I went on the 10 metre platform at the <laughs> Lambton Pool once and shit myself. I had to climb back down. <laughs> Sorry, go on. Yeah. Anyway, I ended up going over myself and I, I did it um, pretty gracefully where I sort of hit the side of the slope and then slid the rest of the way into the snow. But then that was it. There was only that way that I didn't know other than a map with contour lines on it. And... Uh, Anyway, I started hiking down in there and as I was, it's really hard to see. It's like all cloudy. It's still snowing and everything like that. And as I was dropping in there, it just actually got worse and worse. It was the complete opposite. It got steeper and steeper. And I dare say a lot of that country had been swept away in the last few years since that map had been done. That's what put me off so much. Because mm. you'd see there was big rocks and boulders and everything out of the mountain. And uh, I ended up getting to a point and I come around the corner and as I got around the corner, it was like, heaps worse like the whole side had fallen out and uh it had literally fallen out that it was like a 300 meter drop straight underneath me so and the, the glacier is this is just in the middle of a glacier is this a, a cliff edge this is a cliff edge so the glacier runs back like that way and slopes around and that's the bit that i slid down and i dropped into a ravine yep then i followed that ravine down which is supposed to go on a, a more contour ground and it didn't it was horrible and i was it was uh um really loose underfoot at that point. So you had all snow and frozen bits, but it was also really loose and falling away. And uh, anyway, I had the ice axe jammed in 
and where this frozen ice was coming out of the face of the mountain, you had to really kick in there to get your cramp on the kick in, you know. And I was kicking in, and as I was kicking in, the cramp on come off my boot. So I only had this cramp on in here and this hand here, and this foot kept sl slipping. And um, the cramp on slid down and it sat on a little bush. Like there's this little bush frozen out of the side of the hill where it goes down like that. And it caught on there and it was like, it was really bad. Like, um, because that ice axe that's strapped around your wrist like that. And that's nearly in the end, that's all that was holding. If that let go, I was gone. I was done, you know? And then just really quickly, I had to think that fucking, I need to lose weight real fast. Mm. And like I said, everything's in your backpack, all your survival gear, your hunting equipment, tent, sleeping, like shelter, everything's in that backpack. And, uh, I had to take this strap off. I couldn't just let the pack go because it's over this shoulder as well like that. So I had to take this shoulder strap off and I pulled myself back up for a brief second. I put my hand through that loop, grabbed back onto the axe and then I dropped this side off. And uh, it was silly because I kept, it was, everything's so white when it's frozen, it's really hard to, is that 400 metres down mm. there or is it just 60 metres? Is it a slope, you know? And then I kept thinking, me pack might be right because me bow and everything strapped to the pack. Because I wouldn't mind still hunting on my way out, you know. It's a silly thought at the time, but I was trying to ease the situation, I guess. I was like, oh, I hope I don't break me bow because I want to keep hunting. And anyway, I dropped it off like that and I leant, leant over and I just remember seeing the pack. It just it dropped off my pack. It hit the first bit, hit that slope beside where the crampon is and just went and shot off. And then just I was just waiting, waiting, waiting. And then I heard it hit down the bottom I'm like holy fuck that's a long way down but straight away there was this massive relief like I just dropped 30 kilos or 15 yeah. kilos or something and uh so anyway I ended up pulling on the ice axe I re-kicked that foot I drove the ice axe in again a little bit lower and got to a spot where it was a little bit benchy where the pack had slid off like that and uh this ice axe has a, a telescopic uh, handle on it you know to so you can use it as a walking stick as well the bottom telescopes out so I telescoped it all the way out and turned it and I was reaching out and like um, can't remember which hand it was it would have been this hand because I still had the ice axe like that I was reaching out trying to grab that cramp on that was sitting on that bush and like a fucker wouldn't make it I always say to everyone it was like a real shit made Hollywood movie <laughs> because it was like it was missing it by that much you know I was like give me a fucking break you know and I Brought it back and I turned it all the way out past the stop point and I just caught it on the last bit of the grommet and I hooked it. Had to climb up a little bit more and chisel a bench out So because to put crampons on you need to sit down. Yeah. So I chiseled a bench out with the axe, sat down, put the crampon on and then I seriously went 10 more metres and the fucking went like that. It was inverted backwards like that. So the mountain didn't go like that, went like that for this section. And there was all these big ice crystals over it where I had to try and pass through and... Uh, I got to a point, and it's like full nerve-wracking and everything. I had binoculars on, and you, I, I took them off. I just fucking threw them down the mountain. There was no way I was getting past with binos on. Mm. I, I just wanted to lose every bit of weight that I could. Like My camera went with a backpack. Everything went oh, really? with that backpack, yep. And all I had was a GPS, like an EPIRB thing on me for it, hit it in emergency. And I'd already tried to contact a buddy over there, Tom Jones, to see if I could get a helicopter in the get me out because the situation was so bad and they couldn't fly in those conditions and uh yeah so anyway i ended up taking it on and there was two like rock shoots past that part of the mountain that inverted and one rock shoot shot off and probably would have threw me 150 200 meters down the mountain off the cliff 
the other one shot me back into the next cliff face that was there and I had to make this jump and I'm like, if I fall in the first one, I'm fucking, I'm done. If I make it to the second one, I'll, as long as I don't hit my head on the way down, I'll just break arms and legs, hopefully not me back. And I, that felt, made me feel comfortable. That's how shit the situation was. I was like, oh, I'll just have broken bones and be fucking sweet. Or I could get to about the middle and then hop, hop again, like do one hop and then the next hop. And fuck it, it took everything to let go of that. Like it took mm. everything to let go and just say fucking do it, you know. And I've only been in that situation like two or three times when it's truly like every part of your body's like, don't do it, cunt. Do not do this. And then you're just like, nah, fuck it, I'm doing it. And I did it and I made the fucking jump and I was like, fuck. <laughs> so good. I end up so that that point was gradual, then I could climb down behind between all these rocks. Anyway, I got down to this creek that from the top looked like it was doing that. The fucking creek was like that as well. It was fucked. It was a nightmare the whole day. Did you psych yourself up to do that jump or was it just like a thing? Okay, let's go. No, no, psych yourself up. Yeah. Yeah. Plan it. Run through your head. It's weirder than that. It's like you got two personalities. That's what it's like. Yeah. And it's like it's like you're two people and one of the people that you are is like, nah. No, we're not doing this. And the other person's like, come on, let's fucking, let's have a crack. You know, and it's like, I don't know, this last time I did it as well, it was even harder. But yeah, anyway, uh, so anyway, I get there. The first thing I found is my binoculars. They're in a thousand pieces. Like, fucking, I didn't give a shit anyway. And then I searched up and down to find my backpack. And because that creek actually was more like a fucking waterfall on mm. a slope, the pack wasn't underneath where I dropped it anymore. So I was straight underneath where I originally was and I was looking back up and I was like, holy fuck. And I'm actually in the rain now, I'm lower. So it stops snowing where I am, it's starting to rain. And anyway, so I'm there, I'm soaking wet and I'm looking for my pack and I'm like, fuck, it's not here. Like it hit here somewhere. And then I found the bow in bits and pieces and then I kept tracking down further and further and eventually picked up camera gear and all sorts of stuff, found the backpack. And when I found the backpack, it was a relief too. Cause it's like, okay, I've got first aid kit in here. I've got a shelter in here and I've got something to keep me warm, the sleeping bag. So I sort of piled the backpack together as best as I could, strapped it up and then and hiked out of there. And so I started at like nine in the morning is when I first dropped off. So I got up in the morning in dark, packed up camp, started hiking out. Nine o'clock in the morning is when I dropped off and it's now past midday. Hmm. Anyway, it's raining and this creek's getting, you know, more and more water flowing down it and I'm getting wetter and wetter. and. Um, you'd come to these spots where it would just drop off. It would literally just be a 10, 15, 20 meter drop off. And there was fucking no way to go around it because how that ravine was where this creek and this flow was, this vertical river, if you want to call it that, horizontal river, is uh, the sides are like this. So you can't go out of it, you know, it's, or you could, but it's, there's great danger in just trying to climb out of it and mm. go around somewhere. So uh, there was one section where it all washed out and there was like a decent tree and I end up like uh, getting that, that like the, it was actually the trunk of the tree about that round. I end up getting that and dragging it down and feeding it over like to where this, beside this waterfall was. And I end up climbing down that to the bottom step. And then I'd go a couple of hundred meters and it would just be around rocks, still rough, like you're slipping and it's hard. Then you just hear the water raging again, you know, and you walk to the edge, fucking another waterfall. And uh, one of them I managed to like squeeze down between rocks and get down there. And then at, when it got really bad down the end was when the cliff face just sort of stopped on the sides and it was just all thick bush. They call it monkey scrub. 
it's nearly impenetrable like it's fucking it's like horrible like you you get frustrated with it big time because you start getting caught up in it and it's a fight to go through there anyway long story short end up fighting my way for all that finally got down to where the river was and the rivers because it's raining the river is just fucking raging like look like chocolate milk coming down the mountain you know it's just streaming down and anyway i was on the side of the river and i was like thank fuck for that like yeah like it was a little bit like i'm alive you know like sick Hmm. and uh i'm walking down the river and when the river bends like this it bends into the side of the mountain and it's like like i was stuck again like i had to fucking cross the river there was no other way around it and uh i already knew i've done some crazy river crossings in my time i already knew that i would cross here but i'd come out the other side fucking 200 meters down you know because it was raging. that's how fast it's going that's going that fast you know and i'm already ready to take the backpack off because the backpack starts filling up with water and getting heavier fucked anyway fucking jumped in started like you're kicking and paddling as best you can to the other side fucking hitting rocks bopping all, all the way across get to the other side you're like a fucking drowned dog coming out of the water you know get to the other side walk a couple of k's down there river bends into the mountain again fucking back in i end up doing it three times i had to bob across the river three times and the further you go down the worse it's getting because you got all these More side water. creeks running into yeah. it and uh anyway i get right down there and if you've ever been to the south island of new zealand especially on the west coast the bridges are like just wide enough for a car like if you actually hop out where those bridges are you'll find side view mirrors of people's cars smashed off on the side of the bridge everywhere where they hit the bridge and the bridge is like 200 meters long and i'm like i didn't come all this fucking way to get hit crossing this bridge in because it's nighttime now right in the dark by a fucking tourist and i jumped in the river again fucking paddled over got to the other side got to the car i was just fucked when i got to, i was in a hire car and i stripped down i just had my undies on and that was it and i fucking hopped in this hire car and i was like fucking hell got out of the servo with my knickers on i didn't give a fuck but it's the best when something it's to say now it's the best and even immediately after it happened it was the best for something to wear you down you know wear you down as hard as it fucking can and then you come out the other side because once you're in that car it's just back to normal life just back to normal life put the heater on i told kim i rang up kim like hey how are you what about my day what are you doing (laughs) And she, <laughs> she, she probably started off with something fucking about the kids. I don't know. But she's like, where are you? And I'm like, I just come out of the mountains. I had to drop my pack. I was on a real, in a real bad situation. She's like, oh, we're okay, cool. But I started talking about something else. <laughs> Talk about Netflix. And then I, t- then I told the story to someone else and she's like, what? I'm like, yeah, I fucking told you. I had to drop my pack on the side of the mountain. It was it or me. And I still believe that's the bit that saved me life. Otherwise, I was done then. So when you go through that moment, obviously you have to drop the pack. Too much weight on the hand, you can't hold it, right? Yeah. Um, are you at that point where you're thinking, hang on, all my, sh- well, my shelter's in here, oh, I'm going to yeah. die anyway? Or, or were you confident that you could get from there to the car? No, it's a, it's a puzzle and you just put that piece together when you can. Yeah. Just put the first piece in first, you know, and the first we'll deal piece was... I'm dead if I don't drop my pack. I'm fucking going like this. Fuck that hand was fucked. My whole arm, my whole shoulder was just dead, you know. And uh, yeah, you put that part of the puzzle together first. I think there was a quick thought that everything in here is replaceable. Sure. I think that was part of the thought, you know. And then uh, I, mm, it's silly. I don't regret it, but I do regret. Fuck, because I lost my camera when I dropped my pack. My camera just exploded, and I lost everything on it. Mm. And I had such cool video and stuff on that on that camera. It's the silliest thing, you know. And you, that's one of the things. But that's that why you like, do all these things. Yeah, yeah. Fuck it. 
you know, this is your this is your life. This is yeah. your living. You know, this yeah. is why you do all. It's 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 like any any job. You know, you 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 risk certain things for for a certain reward, and that's yeah. that's why you do it. I mean, seems when you, like all the best things come with that little some yeah, bit of risk. There has to be risk if you're going to do anything. Like, yeah, I always. It's like uh, good life's almost like owning the business. There's risk in owning the business. Sure. But if you're successful and you run it right, what you gain out of it is essentially doing what I do. Like I feel like I'm retired or I'm at least semi-retired mm. because I've got a business, my own business that supports me when I go and do these things. These these missions don't fucking, you know, they don't pay for themselves. Like I pay for them all, obviously. Mm. And, and essentially it's a little bit like that. It's like, yeah, you got to, there's a bit of risk involved, but fuck, it's awesome on the other side. I remember you telling me about that story when you dropped your pack and it's, you know, 400 meters down to the ground and you're dead if it doesn't happen. And we were sitting at dinner and I was like, that's crazy, man. And then mm. like three or four months later, you go, I'm going back to New Zealand. And I'm like, hey, <laughs> you know, don't die this time, you know, all that type of stuff. And then you had an even worse case. Yeah, yeah. The last one was, the last one was <laughs> fucking, fucking bad. lunatic. Yeah. A hike in was good. That's I kicked its ass. I went about it the right way. Changed a bit of things up from the lessons I learned last trip. For starters, I was gonna hike in. If I killed something, get a helicopter out. So that was pre-planned. I booked a commercial helicopter. So these helicopters are coming in and out all the time. All the time. That's yep. just that's something that gear. happens in New Zealand. They right. drop hunters off, pick them up all the time. So that was something I put in the play already. That you know around this date that I'm going to get a pickup from in this area, and. Um, so yeah, that was all planned. Hiked in, wasn't any game. Hiked in further, just kept getting further and further back. But uh, all the risks that I took up to that point was it was all managed. Mm. You know, I managed it all really well. Um, I had a crash hat with me this time because one little slip and you hit your head on the rocks, you're fucked. You're laying in the freezing cold. You're dead anyway. You know. And uh, the ice axe had better crampons this trip, so. Um, Kim, Kim bought me some really good high-quality crampons. They made a big difference when I was doing the ice stuff. Like you, you nearly felt, obviously not, but you nearly felt invisible, invincible with them on because fucking they just held into the ice so well. And uh, better tent, better shelter, better everything. And uh, also I thought, anyway, I hiked, ended up hiking right back in there, found a big bull tar, a uh, big, big uh, buck chamois, sorry. End up getting it killed. Fucking everything was beautiful. I collected the meat, got the skin, s- sitting around camp, ate ate fresh chamois that night. Like it was it was freaking awesome, you know. Mm. And then the chopper was picking me up in the morning. And uh, anyway, I'm on a slope like this. It's a it's a horrible slope for a helicopter to try and land. And the only flat section was where there was a bunch of brush. So I cut that brush out. Spent the time that afternoon to make a good strip for the helicopter to land on a good pad. And uh, the weather was two days away. So that's why I had to be picked up that next morning as well. And anyway, the weather come in that night when I was in the tent, like really bad, like bad snow, rain followed by snow, followed by hail. And then... Um, so you, are you just out on an open hill sort of thing? That's the slope, in, yeah. just an open hill. You're in the Alps. It's, like, it's actually like that. Right. And um, anyway, I got up in the morning Went, the helicopter was supposed to pick me up at 10.30 or 9.30, I think it was. I got up at first light, opened up the tent, looked outside, like just you could see all the low cloud coming through. There was sleet pelting the, the tent and that. They don't fly in that sort of weather, you know. So I'm like, oh, well, I'm here for the your tent bound at that point. 
you know, you've got to sit the weather out. And uh, anyway, I get a message through on this uh, GPS device and uh, it says they're leaving now. My buddy Antonio sent me the message. They're leaving now to pick you up. I was like, so I jumped out of my sleeping bag and it's like fucking freezing that night. Like it was insane. Like water bottle inside my tent beside me was rock solid frozen. You couldn't drink the water. What? That's how cold it got that night. And uh, how does your head survive that? Oh, uh, you're all full covered up. It's like you're in hardcore gear, like sleeping yeah. bag, like a minus 15 sleeping bag and stuff like that. All good quality gear. And um, I opened the tent up again and it's like literally like pellets of hail flogging the side of the tent and I can see 20 yards and I'm like, there's no way this fucking chopper's coming. Anyway, and I wrote him back the message. I'm like, mate, the weather is not suitable for a helicopter up here. And he's like, I've just spoken to them. They're on their way. There's one little gap in the clouds. They're going to try and pick you up. So I get up in a panic then because I haven't packed up for the morning. You don't want a helicopter sitting around in that sort of weather. So I jump up and uh, start packing the, me sleeping bag and stuffing everything in my tent real fast. And I've got a mattress that's bright orange and that's what I'm going to use to flag them down, you know, because you're a, you're a fucking ant on the mountain still. And... Uh, so anyway, I jammed it all in there and as this is happening, I'm getting wet, but it's like the chopper's picking me up. Who gives a fuck? I'll be back at the car in 20 minutes and mm. have the heater cranking, you know? <laughs> I was thinking about that a lot. <laughs> and um, so I get up, pack up, and I'm sitting there for a sec. I put all my stuff beside the helicopter pad that I've sort of cut out. And because uh, they want to land right beside you with your gear and then there's no movement under the blades, you know, you're just right beside the body of the helicopter, you put your gear in, you're out. So it's all set up and then I hear the rotor blades coming up the valley like, and I'm like still can see bugger all more than before, but still it's like 80 metres max. And you know, I've got this mattress that's deflated, but it's like I said, it's really bright and I can hear the chopper blades and I'm like, fire out there, sound low. And because when you send the GPS coordinate, you send a GPS coordinate from here, yeah, right? If that GPS coordinate's off by 100 metres, that's not much. You're still going to find somewhere. But 100 metres down the mountain puts them two, 300 metres below you. Yeah. And that's the sort of slope that I was on. So I'm hearing the rotor blades coming and then they sort of go quiet and they go, went quiet because they went behind a little mountain that was in front of me before it dropped off. And I walked over to the side and once you get over the side, I can hear it coming up on the wind like it's howling. I can hear their rotor blades coming up on the wind. And just through that cloud and everything, I can just see their lights flashing. Cannot see the helicopter physically, can just see their lights flashing, you know. And they're coming up through this cloud into the mountain and I'm like, like I mean, like I'm standing on the edge and I'm fucking looking at them down there. And I'm like, what's their visibility like? Like if I can't see them and then I've literally, it's, it's a shit setup that I've got, but... um. It was like this Garmin inReach, and you got a. My phone had died, so you got a text on it, and you got to go through the whole alphabet to yep. send a text, sort of thing. That I oh, sorry, the device is good for what it is, like it's very small, but it's fucking not ideal in that situation <laughs> to send a text message. An emergency. I'm message. trying to send out a message to say, fucking tell them the mountains in front of them, like they were literally just flying up the valley and like this mountains. And I'm sure this guy knows it like the back of his hand, but we all make mistakes, especially in that sort of weather. And I just remember thinking, fuck, like, do I start to stand back? I'm waiting for the, the chopper to hit the mountain. And, he, and it's coming in, it's like, here's the mountain like this, and it's coming in. And then you just see it go, fucking, like he's like literally fucking nearly knows the mountain. And it was like, oh, fuck, that's it. 
stuff he just, just disappeared, faded down the mountain. So then I was like, I get a message back. Before I can even get my message out, I get a message back. They can't find you. And I'm like, yeah, they're fucking hundreds of metres below me. They nearly flew into the mountain. And uh, anyway, so I'm drenched, all my gear's packed up. And I remember studying some uh, contour maps beforehand about that area and it didn't look doable to me to be able to walk down the valley and walk out that way. And uh, I've already come over a whole mountain, you know, and now that the bad weather's there, fucking it was, it was going to be hellish going up. And uh, anyway, my friend gave me a little bit of advice. He, he said he reckons it's doable because I'm like, mate, I'm fucking soaking wet. I'm freezing. I don't think I can set the tent up now. And, or at least I didn't want that as my priority option, you know. And, uh, I, yeah, I was just so cold. I wanted to fucking move. I wanted to get going. You know, I fucking, I sort of wanted out at that point. Is that the move so, in a situation like that? You, you're soaking wet, it's freezing cold. Are you wanting to, like, obviously in this situation, you want to sort of move because you're not in a good spot. But is the, the protocol to try and get warm inside a tent or is the protocol to get your body moving so you can be warm? Depends on the situation. The, look, the best thing I could have done in that situation is go tent bound for two or three days, let that weather clear. I would have climbed back into a dry sleeping bag. The helicopter would have come and picked me up as planned and would have flown me out or... The weather would have cleared and I would have been able to walk back over the tops and go back the way that I'd come, which I was already familiar with to a mm. certain degree, which was no, in no way pretty at all. Like that was going to be a tough trek. But the fucking uh, candy that was right in front of my eyes was like, you just walk straight down this creek and then you're out on the main river and you'll head back and get back to the high car. And uh, anyway, my buddy helped talk me into it. I've got to say that because it was, I wasn't going to do it. But he's like, no, I think it's doable. And, you know, the fucking cunt thinks I'm fucking Superman. So he thinks I'm going to fly off the fucking mountain, you know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he talked me into it. And he's like, yeah, once you get past this point, it should be fine. And anyway, I, I walked over with my backpack and sort of looked over the ledge. And I was like, yeah, it's not too bad. It's a bit going to be a bit shitty. And uh, anyway, I started hiking it and a few slips and fucking falls on the way just in those early stages. And uh, then the creek actually got pretty good considering what the country is, you know. It was just a gradual slope down. And then, so now I was, I don't know, a K or two into it, you know. I was like, oh, if it's like this all the way, it's, it's going to be a big day. I mightn't get out of here till midnight. But fuck it. I was feeling good because I was warm again because I was moving and I was active. And I uh, had a belly full of fresh meat. Fucking had plenty of energy and I was going and then i come around a corner and i can hear the water raging you know i'm like fuck that doesn't sound good anyway i get around the corner and it's like just big rapids after rapids in the creek and big drop-offs and falls and the sides now are like this like the further you go down the fucking higher the sides get you know and uh anyway it was not that that country wasn't suitable for mankind one bit um but i got to a point where that first last bit, of, the last section of that rapid was, and I could see the ground went good again. I was like, well, if I just can get down this, I'll be right, you know. And there's always the push to go forward in a situation like that. And uh, there, maybe there probably shouldn't be. Maybe it's just me, but um, there was a bit of a slopey rock, and you know, there's frozen ice on friggin' just about everything. But it looked pretty good. It was only, it was only a five or six meter jump sort of thing to the next bit. Um, that I thought I could do and I could actually like lean off the rock a little bit 
first to sort of take off a meter of it and by the time i land and cramp my legs and that it, it should be fine you know It'd be essentially only doing like a three meter drop and uh the i picked that spot for a reason there was a massive like la glacier lagoon underneath it you know just like you could tell it was really deep it was like just that real blue water mm. and um you can see where it, when it really gets pumping water just pumps in there and uh i sort of picked that spot as a safety net as in if i fall i'll just fall into that water but it's like it's only one percent of the thought you know mm. i'm not going to fall anyway it's fucking fine and uh anyway i leant over and jumped it wasn't even one that you had to build up a lot of courage for it was just it's a pretty standard jump i thought and uh when i the second i hit it my fucking feet went straight out from underneath me it just had crystal fucking clear ice over the whole fucking rock i don't have crampons on you can't use crampons in that sort of situation when you're going rock hopping you know and so my feet hit that they went straight underneath me i just remember going back flat out because it's on a slope and then the first thing that comes off is your legs so your legs go down and that sends you in a hurdle backwards you know because your weight's like like that and you got a big backpack on. Mate, and I was just fucking in the air, free falling. And I just remember hitting that lagoon. I still feel the water fucking slap me face now. The way it come over me and just went, fucking hit me face. And like, this is fucking freezing water. I've just been hiking and warm. And then straight away, it's like, <gasps> like you gotta, mm. it's like you nearly gotta tell yourself, fucking chill. You know, like, well, it's chilled, but you know what I mean? It's just, don't fucking panic. How, how far do you fall, do you think? Six, seven meters. Okay. Yeah, maybe further. It felt like a long time, but yeah. I think looking back on it, it probably wasn't. But And then the backpack's holding me upside down in the water like that, and the, the current's pushing me downstream straight away, so I'm fucking trying to get up. And, uh, you know, I pretty much turned myself inside out, and I was fucking scrambling on the rocks because it's just like full rock faces on the side of this lagoon. Scrambling, trying to get on these fucking rocks and hold yourself up at the same time. And as it pulled me around the corner to send me over the next drop, and I wasn't 100% sure how big the next drop was, I ended up just scrambling enough that I sort of got my body and my chest onto a rock and sort of just pulled my weight up there. And then, anyway, climbed out, and the pack weighed a ton, obviously, because a bunch of water had gone in it. And then I was like, fuck, like, that could have been heaps worse, you mm -hmm. know, but I, I remember having that little thought of, pick this spot because if you fall you're going into the water and not on the splatter and on the rocks you yeah. know and uh i that was the point where i was like fuck okay we need we really need to get a chopper in we really need to just wait it out and get a chopper in and uh the mission end up becoming i'll keep walking until i can find somewhere a chopper can land you know and just there was always something that would stop a chopper land and like there was one spot there was this fucking giant rock it was as big as this studio and it was way up out of the water and that. I'm like, fuck, chopper, if I can climb up there, a chopper can land on that, you know, and I got around to it. There was no way I could climb up there, not a fucking chance in hell. And then I remember sort of getting to the side and looking at it. I'm like, fuck, a chopper's not going to land on that. It's fucking like, you know, it was, wasn't going to be possible, you know. Mm. And then I went probably a few kilometres, like jumping rocks, and I had some slips on the way just doing that. Like it was really hard country to navigate, get through. And uh, are they I, so slippery because they're just covered in ice, or is it moss, or what's ice and water? Okay, one or the other. So they're like trying to grab another yeah. piece of soap. If it's, sand if it's if it's water that's just like slowly splashing on it, it fucking freezes. So yeah. they're all like ice covered, you know. And if it's water that runs past it constantly, it's usually not frozen, but 
they're so used to having water on them, they get like a shine and slip, okay. uh, so they're slippery you know? as fuck. Oh, they're fucked. And uh, I'm carrying this backpack still. I've got tar meat in the back. I've got the skin still. I was in the fucking no give up mood, you know. And uh, I just I kept powering on. I'm still looking for a place to land a chopper. I'm like, fuck, you've already done enough. You put enough effort in. I ain't giving up now, you know. You're not giving up now. If you can find somewhere a chopper can land, you know. And uh, there was just fucking nowhere a chopper could land. And I got to the point where I was stuck between a spot that I'd climbed down to and then the next fucking drop. And there was no way to climb down it. And it was like a couple of different tubes of water, like literally like runs through the rocks in a gap, you know, and it's like almost like a slippery slide. Like Mm. because water's run down there for millions of years, it's carved it out. So it's all rounded like that. And uh, I was literally just stuck in this one spot and I was fucking just standing there and I was looking around like fucking chopper cannot come in here. And then um, I cannot climb back up. I cannot fucking climb down there. I can't get down there. I'm like, it's, it's fucking going down one of these waterfalls. And um, this was the spot where I was just fucking, I was there and it was, I was doing the full argument, you know, with like two different people in me. And it's just like, one's like, nah, fucking too big a risk too big a risk not going to do it and the other one's like fuck I reckon we can do it I reckon we can do it can you see where the waterfall goes nah not really but you can hear that it doesn't go too far you know what I mean one does that side there's like fucking yeah and this other side's not as bad and it sort of runs down in a slope on the rocks first and I can't see where it goes but I can see the end of that lagoon you know okay so you can see that it's not just no that's right yeah and uh, yeah, it was fucking weird. Eh? It was a it was a real weird jump. It was a real fucking weird thing to do. Yeah, it is. It yeah. definitely is. <laughs> but what else do you do? You just said you can't. There's no. No. You can't go back. You can't go forward. You can't yeah. get a chopper in. You yeah. gotta. You have to do something. And I just fucking jumped, and I leaned against the side of the rocks when I went. So I didn't jump directly into the water. I sort of jumped into the edge, like the water's gushing down there and this rock slope like that. I jumped in there and I put my shoulder and my backpack in there and I sort of slid. And then I just, and then I hit that gush of water, you know, and it was like, what I thought was a ribbon of water running down there like that was a fucking ribbon of water running down there like that. Like it nearly swallowed me whole on the way down, you know. Anyway, I fucking hit the, hit the thing and there was like, it plunged me down a long way and there was fucking no bottom. I never touched the bottom. Mm. And uh, I just remember fucking straight away, like just trying to get up like as fast because the, the water's so cold that it makes you want to fucking open your mouth, mm. you know, like it shocks you. Mm. So it's like just instantly like trying to get to the top. Like you've only been under for two seconds, but it feels like you've been under for two, three minutes already in that cold water, you know. And uh, I got to the top and I end up fucking paddling. It was rushing me down flat out, like like fast, like taking me fucking down. And I couldn't get onto any fucking rocks. Everything was too slopey or too slippery. And uh, I, I, I remember starting to align myself and I'm like, fucking take the backpack off because it was like, it was fucking getting heavy. I could feel myself just getting lower and lower in the water. And uh, I was just about to unstrap the backpack and then I just, something hit me body. I think it hit, hit me under here. I had a real bad rib for a while hit me under here and I sort of looked up forward and there was a massive tree like that round that was going over the next fucking waterfall and it was all the roots out of the bottom of it sticking up and I hooking this arm around one of the roots and like holding onto the pack because I nearly had the pack off and then sort of just holding onto that for a second and scrambling to the side and I remember seeing me water bottle fucking go 
Like if my water bottle had punched out of my pack, I didn't give a fuck about water, but it was just the thought that, fuck, that was nearly me, you know. That was mm. a part of part of me going, you know. And uh, and then I got there and I climbed up on the rock and I didn't even, I didn't think to do it. I didn't mean to do it. It just fucking come out of me like fucking like some adrenaline junkie, like fucking yes. Like I was doing the fist pumps in the air and like yelling. And it was just like a massive surge of adrenaline. And then I started thinking about it and it was like, the yes bit was like, fuck, you talked yourself into doing it. Because everything in my body was like, don't do it. Don't do mm. the jump. And you're like, ah, oh, fucking, I've got to. This is our best chance, you know, and then doing it and making it. And then, and yeah. And then the pack was that hot, heavy at that point. And uh, I remember I took me, I was, and I was hot. I was like, even though I'd come out of that freezing cold water, I was fucking hot, like cooking. And uh, I took my pants off because I was just soaking wet. And I just had like long johns on. And then I just had a t-shirt on after that and I stayed warm for ages and I, I kept hiking. I went through some more shit spots. And then I just remember coming around the next corner because I kept thinking, is this fucking ever going to end? Like, it's going to be dark soon. I do not want to be here in the dark. It's fucking raining. The creek creek's flowing harder. It's getting noisier. Like, it was like, it was fucking like deafening, you know, constant. And then I come around the corner and the country just, it was fucking turned that much worse. It was just, the sides... There was trees in the creek, right? Dead trees in the creek. But then there wouldn't be a tree for three or 400 metres. And the whole... Because the banks had washed away. Mm. And so those trees had come from the very top. That was the sides of the mountain just falling in on itself constantly and getting washed downstream. And I come... Anyway, I come around and it was just fucking... It was just this, like a marble rock wall. Like this old massive big stone wall fucking like a mountain and then there was a fucking ribbon carved in it like this where the water had been running through there fucking millions of years and it just carved out a gap in the mountain that's the only place the river could go and then it was fucking just shooting out the other side and i couldn't see where it went but i could fucking hear it just raging down and i ended up getting the only way to get across there was i had to climb across some trees that had fallen down in the debris and i climbed up and i got to like where that ribbon of rock had come through that's like, so there's mountains on both sides of me the whole time. Mm. The whole time I've been walking down mountains. That's how a fucking river is. It's in the middle. And then these fucking mountains come together like that. But the fucking had carved its way through there, you know. Did you record any of this? I know. No, nah, everything was dead now. Right. Except for me GPS. That yeah. You have to go through the alphabet to send a fucking message yeah. from. And uh, anyway, I ended up climbing up the top. And I remember getting up the top and the volume, just how much fucking louder it got. I looked down, it's just a sheer cliff. And a fucking straight tube of a waterfall for fucking three, four hundred meters down. Oh fuck! And that you, all the shit that I went through, right? Climbing down, dropping into that fucking glacier water, jumping through that fucking waterfall and down. Every bit there was some part that was like, oh, we could do it like this. And then I got to there and I was like, nah. Yeah. There's fucking no way you can get past this. This is there's no way you can get past this. This is fucking it. You're done. You're staying here. And then, then I sent out a message to a mate. And I felt banged up at that point too because I think I got to the realisation that I'm not getting out today and the adrenaline worn off from the rest of it because every point I got to it was like, oh, it's not too bad now. At least I can go through there, you know. And then I finally got to that point and then it was like my body was like, yeah, right, I, let's fucking let him have it. And then it was like, fuck, I'm fucking sore and my shoulders were fucked and my leg felt fucked and it, it's just all caught up with me in one trip one spot and then um 
And then it was like, fuck, it's nearly dark. Like, it's nearly fucking dark. I'm soaking wet. There's fucking not a flat bit of ground here. To, I'm no way I'm sleeping on a rock in this creek. This creek's probably raged to the height of this before, you know. There's no way I can sleep in the creek anywhere. You need to find somewhere. And I fucking, I was sort of just scavenging around these trees and fucking the trees that had fallen down. I was trying to get away from that point. I didn't want to fucking hear how raging that water was. You know, and, and I kept looking and the only thing I could find was where a tree had come down the mountain and uh, hadn't gone all the way down the mountain and the, the debris that had come off the mountain had come up to it and made a bit of a slope, but it was a horrible drop off the side. But it was the only flat spot and I fucking set the tent up and I sent a message out to me, mate, SOS in the morning. And because uh, I had the, oh, I could only write these short messages. It was so fucking hard. To, my, mm. my hands were fucking frozen and waterlogged. And I wrote that little message, I'm, I'm like, SOS in the morning. And he wrote straight back. He's like, are you okay? And I'm like, yep, but I can't stay here, you know. And I can't get out. I was in a, because I, I looked, there was fucking no way out. There was no way up and over and around it. I couldn't go back the way I'd come, nothing. Anyway, I set up the tent, pulled sleeping bag, was drenched to the core. Everything in my pack was fucking saturated. And uh, I take... Um, I do things to so things don't get wet by putting them in dry bags, but the dry bags had failed, you know. And the, the one thing I was sort of looking forward to was, fuck, at least I've got a dry sleeping bag tonight. It's in a good dry bag. And it's like, nah. What does that do to your mental state when you've, you've done all these ridiculous things? Like you've, you've jumped into things that, you, you know, 50-50 chances of surviving. You've reached a point where there's no moving forward. There's no moving back. There's nothing. You've hit, you've hit something where, I know when we spoke about this, you know, hitting SOS is something you never want to do. Mm. You know, you never want to be in that situation, but it's also like a thing like, okay, I've, I've admitted defeat sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, what does that do to your, your psyche? Like, what are you thinking at this moment? Like, I don't, are, are, there, are there tears? Because I'd, nah, be, I'd be shattered. Not at this point because everything's, you know, it's like going into a fight and then fucking sitting down. You know, it's like you're still fighting, you know, you're fighting for your life and there's not a chance to have, I think I've had thoughts. I've definitely had those thoughts, you know, about Kim and the kids, things like that. But um, there's not a time for tears yet, you know. It's sure. like fucking just got to keep fighting on, you know, and everything. There was never a break. There was just every second was a constant fight, you know. And uh, I think I didn't want to hit SOS that night for starters. I thought to plan it and do it properly you hit it just before light in the morning mm. and then because it's supposed to be nearly immediate and and I definitely didn't want to do it like I did not want to I didn't there's a couple of reasons first I felt like it was given up and admitting defeat and the second thing was you don't want to put anyone else's life in danger mm. you know I know those guys do that for a living that's what they do and uh and I've spoken to some of them since then and they fucking live for it. You know, they're waiting for those calls. That's what they want to do. You know, they're out to help people. But you still don't want to do it. And I was still trying to convince myself, no, there's another way out. And uh, anyway, I set the tent up, blew the fucking mattress up, fucking got in there, went through my gear. My gear all my gear was fucked. Everything was wet. And uh, But the tent was still a shelter, was still a good shelter. The sleeping bag was a synthetic sleeping bag, so it would still hold some of its um, 
heat properties once I got in there my body te- if my body temperature would get up that sleeping bag would try and hold some of it mm. and uh, anyway I fucking lay I had to sit big rocks on the side of that log so I wouldn't roll off during the night because the tent went over that log off the edge a bit and uh, anyway when I first laid down I just remember thinking how fucking loud it was like because I could still hear that raging fucking waterfall and that was the point that stopped me it was like a fucking haunting sound all night I remember it like as in that's what stopped me that fucking sound is what stopped me going because it's such a big fall down there and uh anyway i was laying there and fucking you hear debris coming off the mountain every now and then like a rock going flying down you'd hear it hit the fucking creek like pumble into the other rocks and the water and stuff like that and i'm like fucking i hope one of them doesn't come and hit me and because that you'd just be fucking ended you'd be there in the middle of nowhere and then uh i end up sleeping for a while and then and it was just a massive adrenaline wear off and it was a massive wear on my body for the whole fucking day. So I think the first hour or two, I just fell asleep flat out. And then I just fucking, I woke up and I was, I was sore as fuck. I thought my leg was broken in my arm. I couldn't move this leg and I couldn't move this fucking arm at all. Like when I woke up, I literally couldn't move them. No pins and needles or nothing. Like it was like, fuck, no, nah, it's fucking broken. I was telling my hand to come up and it wouldn't come up. So not even like pain wise, you can't move it because it hurts too much. It just doesn't. Just couldn't move it. Fuck. Yeah. And I think I just badly bruised it in the end or it could have been something else. But uh, anyway, I woke up and the fucking first thing I woke up, I woke up and I thought about Kim and the kids. And it was almost like, because I hadn't got a message out to them. So they, they didn't know if I was in a shit situation. They didn't know that. Mm. I'd just been messaging a friend and uh, he super switched on. And I knew that he wouldn't bring Kim and the kids unnecessary thoughts or anything like that. So I knew that without saying it, I knew that he wouldn't have told them. But I thought every afternoon I messaged Kim, but my battery was so low on that GPS, I didn't want to waste any battery. So I literally wrote to my friend Antonio, SOS in the morning. He's like, are you okay? And I'm like, yes, but I won't be for long. And then I turned it off so I could save the batteries to hit SOS in the morning. And um, anyway, when I woke up at 11 or 12 o'clock at night and I, I thought about Kim and the kids and then I fucking, it got to me. And I started crying like, I'm like, nah you're in a really bad situation. And I thought if this leg's broken and this arm's not moving, I'm in a really bad situation because I had plans to do things at first light, fucking, you know, to get ready for the helicopter. And uh, at that point, it would be emergency helicopter, wouldn't be the commercial guy. And for one, I needed to find somewhere that they could come in and see me and I wasn't in that because I was sort of in like two fucking ravines. There was this ravine here that I'd been walking down this creek the whole time and then I'd crossed up the top and there was a tiny little ravine that come in there and that's the tree that I was on the side of and uh, so I knew a helicopter wouldn't find me with ease in there it's like fucking all, all big overpowering cliffs around both sides and it was almost like it had to get to me anyway you know like because as soon as I like I was crying hysterically like I was like fuck like you've really fucked up you know mm. I think Kim and the kids and what not it wasn't even about me at that point it's about them what are they going to feel when i'm gone like how are they going to continue on you know things like that and uh me fucking whole body warmed up big time i found out later that kim woke up like or was awake at like 11 or 12 o'clock and she just started crying like she thought about me i haven't heard from adam and she just thought fucking something's wrong and she started crying you know and uh anyway and then 
I fucking just had some harsh words to myself, you know, a little, I don't know, fucking like how men are supposed to be, you know, like fucking man up, like, like get on with it, yeah. like fuck it, get on with it. And uh, I fucking sort of did. I sort of just, I'm not saying that's how to be. I'm not saying well, what else, that's how what we're else supposed do you to do in that situation. I think humans are supposed to break down every now and then. I think people are supposed to cry and stuff like that and have those feelings. Absolutely. But so not, I don't no. want to talk anyone out of that. But no, in no. that situation, it wasn't good for me. No. You know, and then it was a little bit like fucking stop feeling sorry for yourself, you know. And So I tried to get that leg and arm to move. They fucking wouldn't move. And I sort of just moved my body over and I laid another way for a little while and tossed and turned and then... Um, I started at some point, uh, I think it was after that, I, f I nodded off back to sleep for a while and I just fucking woke up and just straight away went into full quiver and like my fucking body just took over. Every part of my body was just full quiver and there, my fucking lips, my mouth, everything. And uh, it's a, have you ever been to that point? Have you ever felt that? No. It's the fucking most horrible, awkward situation. feels foreign. It feels like what I imagine it feels like through a stage of death. So the first thing to do is you tense up and you're like, fucking stop, stop. Like, fucking don't do that. Like, and you can stop it. And then I stopped it and I was like, fuck. And I'm like, you fucking idiot. That's your body trying to fucking keep itself warm. And it was. That's what happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your body starts quivering flat out to try and keep the... Because if your core temperature drops down too much... That's why you should be, yeah, yeah. You're in trouble. So I'm like, fucking let it go. So I started relaxing and then, yeah, I fucking quivered till fucking four five in the morning and that's about an hour or so before first light it's still fucking raining it never stopped raining the whole time got the fucking e-perb out had to go outside like out into the open for that so i'm standing out there in the rain i can hardly fucking see and uh i pull it out and i'm like fuck do you want to do this fuck and it took ages eh? and i'm like you've got to do this man you've got to do this you know and then and it's not it's not just hitting the button. You you open the side up, got a good signal first, open the side up, hit the button. And then it says hold in for 10 minutes. And I'm like, you fucking cunt. Like it was bad enough pressing it. Just happened to press it. No, 10 seconds. I was going to say, fuck. Fucking 10 minutes. And I'm fucking <laughs> holding it. And I'm like, you fucking, I can't believe I'm doing this, you know. And anyway, and then it comes up that it's SOS in progress, you know. And I'm like, there was like this feeling struck straight away of like oh fuck okay i've done it you know i'm going to come in and rescue be rescued you know because everyone you know it's like 20 minutes they're there and they're rescued anyway it's fucking there and at that point i it was because i'm a massive one for not littering and leaving anything behind you know and at that point everything was staying the tent was staying everything was staying i was fucking not in a good way my leg was working again had my arm working i was fucking sore had sore ribs um, and that's why I think I just maybe bruised or compressed the bone really bad in one of my falls because when I woke up in the morning, it was like immediately, it was like, oh, okay, yeah, no, nah, they're working. And once I got to move them, then they were fine. And, uh, but anyway, everything was fucking staying there, mate. I just, I had that wet sleeping bag over the top of me and I was sitting out on a rock and I was still quivering flat out. And I had that bright mattress that I said, fucking orange to flag them down. And I was just fucking huddled there for fucking ages and it just kept raining and raining and I was like peering back into like where that tree was falling down, looking at the tent. I'm like fucking leaving all that shit behind, like it's fucking not good. And then the phone, the SOS thing comes up again and it says um, it's not been received. 
And I'm like, fucking what? And I'm fucking, so I'm looking at it. And then my buddy, Antonio, he's like, you need to hit the SOS button. And I'm like, I have. And once you hit it once, you can't hit it again. Right. It's on the screen. It's locked on the screen. I, I tried pressing it in again. It does nothing. I tried other stuff. It does nothing. It just says SOS in progress. And then it says it has not been received. And he's like, you need to hit the button. I'm like, I have. And he's like, mate, they won't come and pick you up unless you hit the button. That's their protocol. And I'm like, I fucking have hit the button. And then I, so I, then I was, didn't know what to do. And I was, then I was sort of frustrated, even though it was no one's fault really except for my own. I was sort of fucking pissed off, you know, and I was, I'm like, fuck, this is it. Like, I felt bad. I didn't feel good. I didn't feel healthy at that point. And um, I sat there for a while and then I was just like, I messaged him back a couple of times. And then I'm like, no, nah, I'm fucking on my own. Fuck it. And then I'm like, oh, fuck it. I'm my, and then I took the sleeping bag off. I was just walking around the rain. I'm like, I'm going to fucking build a helicopter pad here. Because a commercial flight, a commercial helicopter needs to land. They don't have a winch to pick you up. And I'm going to start collecting bits of debris and I'm going to stick it under these rocks here and try and let it dry. And I'm fucking going to get all the rubbish out of my pack. I'll burn me tent if I have to, the whole fucking lot. I know the biggest fucking fire ever, you know. And I started like, I had to get busy. Mm. That's the thing, you know. And I did. I started fucking getting rocks and I started building up a helicopter pad. Fucking rocks would come flying off the mountain past me from up the top. Fucking started collecting timber. I got all my rubbish. I stuck it all in there. And then uh, I sent him, sent my buddy one more message and I'm like, when the weather clears, if the commercial helicopter can pick me up, that'd be awesome. Otherwise, we need to do something else. I'm not in a good way. Dead. It went dead. And then, then I was like, yeah, I've got, that's it. I've got fucking nothing then. I've got nothing now, you know. And then um, I fucked around. I, I, I thought, fuck it, I'm... I'm going to pack my backpack. I'm going to put that tar in there and I put, I'm going to collect all my gear. And I went through, I went, climbed back over there to where that tree was. I packed up all my gear. I st- fucking stayed busy. I, I got, I was nearly at the point I was going to light that fire. I was going to light my rubbish on, on fire and anything else in my pack that was flammable and get a decent fire going, you know, cause I had, I needed something to lift my spirits. I needed something to fucking get my body temperature warm again, things like that. And, uh, then I hear, ch- and I fucking looked down the valley and it was fucking the craziest sight because that helicopter's big and yellow, eh? And there's just this fucking really aggressive terrain like this, these big mountains that come into one another and there's like the rest of the river and that down there. And you just see this fucking beautiful big yellow helicopter coming up. And just fucking comes up and the dude's like out the side, he's like, and I give him the thumbs up. I'm like, holy fuck, like, fuck. And then they turned around, they flew off. And I was like, oh, fucking hopefully they're coming back. <laughs> I had a look at the situation and then I picked up that rubbish. I fucking started packing up all that again, put that mattress away. I was fucking just sitting there. I was just huddled up with my backpack. I wanted to do everything right still, you know. And uh, then, yeah, they fucking flew back in because of the train. They had to drop everything off pretty much except for the... Especially when they seen that I was all right and I gave them the thumbs yeah. up. They didn't need the stretcher and yep. all that extra weight. They flew back in. They fucking dropped down off the winch. And uh, he uh, he said, you know, like, give me directions. You're on the way up. And he fucking hooked me up. And I just remember that thing plucked me off the ground like it was fucking a fixed item. That's how hardcore those helicopters are or how good the pilots are. It was like I did not fucking move. It just fucking grabbed me and the winch took me straight up. Steady really? as fuck. 
And I got in there and I was like, holy fuck. Well, <coughs> the other thing was when I got in there, even that extra height, when I looked around, I was like, fucking, I was not going anywhere. And the, the co-pilot or whoever the dude is, he said, he's a Zach words, how the fuck did you get there? <laughs> and I'm like, mate, I come from the top. And he's like, oh my, you know, he's like, and then anyway, they winched my gear in. I had me fucking all my gear and that, they, they grabbed it all. And then the other guy hopped in and he said the same thing. He's like, I don't know how you got there, mate. I'm like, mate, I slept there last night up there. And anyway, the whole time I was like, fuck, like I bet you the river was just there, you know, and if I got to the main river it would have been. And we fucking just kept flying down through that canyon, dude. You know, it was like, it wasn't going to be fucking good. Anyway, I got out. He's like, they're like, are you all right? I'm like, mate, I feel fine. I couldn't move my arm or leg earlier this morning but they're fucking fine now and I and he's like do you want to go back to your car or the hospital like just get me back to the car and if I need to go to the hospital I'll book myself in you know yeah, yeah, good attitude and then and, yeah, and he, anyway he dropped me back at the car and everything was fine I got out fucking had my backpack got to the car and uh opened up the boot put my backpack in the boot and my back just went fucking my back gave out on me big time like like oh like I had to take a breath sort of thing I was like fucking what must have to straighten it and my fucking back was fucked. And then I drove back to, actually drove to a friend's place at uh, Lake Hawea. Stayed there for a couple of nights. My back was still fucked. Flew home to Australia and uh, went in and I'd bruised like two or three of my vertebrae on one of those falls. And that's why my back was fucked. It's fine now. It's come good. But it gave me hell for like two months mm. after the trip. And uh, yeah, anyway... With that SOS device, the problem was they got the signal, but they didn't get my GPS coordinates. And it was a big, it was a massive fuck up on their behalf at this point. Because they usually, protocol is they go back and look at your other messages that they sent. They can just go straight in, they can look at everything you've done. And all those other messages that I was sending out was me hiking down, talking to Antonio, so they knew my position. But because they never got my position, they never come and rescued me at all. It was Antonio rallying with a local helicopter pilot, that one that was originally going to pick me up, with the local authorities that they sent out a rescue flight from New Zealand without my SOS call to come and get me. They never got it? Nope. Fuck. So if it wasn't for that, it could have ended a lot worse. You know, Because I could have got to the point you make silly decisions in those situations where you're like, no, actually I can climb down. I need to get down. I'm fucking going to die here. Yeah. I'm going to die here, I need to get down. You fucking fall and you're dead. You know, so. Fucked. You're a fucking crazy man. <laughs> Fucked. And this is what you do. Yeah. This is your thing. I'd go back in a heartbeat. I know. I'm You're going f- back in a heartbeat. I know you are. When are you going back? I'll go back this year. Fuck me. Yeah, don't do it. Twice. Just come on all no, those just... me to fucking the Goldie or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck the Gold Coast. Fuck the it's gold. probably fucking worse. <laughs> No, you're right. Yeah. One time I went up there with Kim and the kids and they were going to somewhere to eat and I had my, one of my trucks at the time and it was a little bit too high so I couldn't park under any of the low car parks. Yeah. And so I drove around looking for a car park for fucking two hours. They went in, ate dinner and come back out, picked them up and we went somewhere else. Fuck the Gold Coast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I wanted to talk about a lot of things tonight, things like uh, the, the vegan stuff and all that type of stuff, but I think... Just talking about those trips of yours, like it just blows people's minds to think that that is someone's way of life. Yeah, yeah. But there's a big group of people that do that type oh, of shit, Oh, hell right? yeah. 
Yeah. Like you're for fun, you literally get dropped out in the middle of nowhere yeah. and trek. Yeah. It just seems so foreign to me. Yeah, I, I fucking mean, hunting I, is foreign to me. Yeah. You know? And I think for a lot of people in Australia, hunting is foreign. Seems so weird that hunting foreign. Yeah. Foreign. Because we all eat meat and yet hunting is most foreign. of us eat meat. But the good yeah, ones anyway. People don't like hunting. Yeah. And we all used to hunt. Yeah. You know, at least our ancestors, we all used to hunt. You know, and then it's like, fucking, I try and keep my mouth closed on some of this stuff, but I'll let it open for you. Thank you. <laughs> but it's, uh, you know, like a domestic pig's got a life because it's got a use, right? It's yeah. in demand. And a dairy cow gets to have a life because we eat dairy. So if we take those things away, who the fuck's going to want to have those animals? Mm. They wouldn't even exist. So there'd be no such thing as a domestic pig. There'd be no fucking sheep. There'd be none. None of that stuff. They actually get a life and get to live a life. You know, so and it, it, yeah, it's just about managing things correctly. Then, you know, so if someone's got a fucking cow and it's in a little cage and it's getting fed a fucking drip, no, that's not fucking right. No one's ever going to agree with that unless it's the person that's making money off it. Mm. That's the fucking it. You know, and no one agrees with that. You know, and, and if, if really, if you look at hunters, hunters are taking animals in the most ethical way you know and i don't just mean ethically as in it was a clean kill you know i mean ethically as well as in it's an animal that's lived a life you know I, that's how i always feel best like yeah. i'll go out and shoot a, a a buck and you know that deer's like lived its whole life out in the wild never seen a human fucking never seen a human never been put through a set of races and pushed into an abattoirs or anything like that so there's the best form of it right there you know yeah. and and uh, it's a, it's a sort. Of, it comes back to being a little bit selfish because then people are like, oh, and you put an effort in as well. But fuck, it ain't about that. Just about it was taken in a good situation. Yes, hunters do put a better effort in, you know, and it gives you a better connection and everything to your food, you know. But then there's the next step. The next probably the best way is how we farm in Australia. Everything's free ranging, you know. They get to walk all over the fucking countryside. Like this is something you we said. We don't have sheep in a little pen. Yeah. This is something you said to me recently about. Um, factory farming and all that type of stuff. Can you clarify, because I, I went to talk about it in the video and I couldn't quite remember what you said, but there's no animals that are caged. No. Well, if we had to buy a cage for every sheep, it would then be not profitable, right? Yes. So in Australia, how they do their farming, and also it's to the best standards as well, is they're in a massive big paddock where they walk around and they do what they want. And if you've ever seen animals, they only care about like two or three things. It's fucking eating, sleeping, and fucking reproducing like that's watch them mm. even if you give a sheep it can it, open up your fucking house open up your you know the back lawn fucking open up everything have a playstation there for it the whole fucking <laughs> lot you know what it's going to do fucking eat the grass yeah. that's what they do that's and their life this is the argument from a lot of vegans that these animals are sentient and they're they're very intelligent and, and all these type of things and in reality they are prey animals yeah and that's just the reality of the situation. That's that's the world we live in. Yeah. Unfortunately, for those animals, they just happen to be. But eaten. that's their purpose. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. That's why they yeah. are there. Yeah. That's why they reproduce. To yeah. Be hundred percent. They still need to be treated right. Of course. You know, and they still need to fucking live their little lives. You know, which they fucking do in Australia, and that's what I'm saying. There's no cows that are locked up in a pen in Australia. There's no pigs that are locked up in a tiny little pen. You know. Um, yeah, I think that's, the farming standards are really good. So there's the next best meat to go and buy. You know, when you go and buy meat that's fucking 
you know, treated well like that. And like I said, that's their life. That's how they live. That's how they want to live. Mm. Fucking uh, just like, um, you know, these these cows, when no one's buying just one pen for a cow and then it's fed a dripper, it's just, it just doesn't get done. Not here anyway. But if you're watching the worst of the worst, I'll show you a video yeah. from some other country where that is. My sister was going vegan for a little while. And uh, she's like, well, what about this video? And she showed me this video. I'm like, that ain't Australia. No. Like, you've lived in the bush. You know, we grew up in a, like a sort of rural setting. Have you ever seen that? And then she was like, nah. And I'm like, because we don't do it like that, you know. Mm. And the reason that animal's here today and living and breathing and has a life is because of farming, you know, human demand. Um, yeah. Well, that's another one that, that I wanted to ask you about was how does an animal die? Not when you harvest one, but how does it die if it lives its entire life? Well, if it lives its entire life, this is a f full life, their teeth start to get too low. They can't get the nutrients that they need every day. So they start going, what we say is backwards, but they start like losing health. And then eventually their system starts to shut down. They, they lay down and they die or they get eaten on the way. So they just starve. Basically, yeah. Fuck. Yeah. yeah. The world's, <laughs> like, the, like, you know, we, we talk about this, the nature is metal page. Yeah, yeah. Like that is probably the, I think if any, if there's any vegan out there that's like, oh, you know, we shouldn't eat meat because it's cruel, check out nature is metal. Oh, yeah. Because that yeah, Instagram 100%. page is literally yeah. just. I've always, I've struggled with, why aren't these people like picketing against like a lion that's fucking dragging something down and eating it? Yeah. You know, like where's, you know, it's like a, it's almost like a form of racism, I reckon. <laughs> it is. It's speciesism. It it's speciesism. You, yeah, you, like, you see these fucking hyenas and, and yeah. all these animals. Like there's, a, there's one the other week with a, with a buffalo running, running through the water and I think a crocodile gets a hold of it yeah. and just rips its guts out uh, from its stomach. And then it starts running, and all its other guts start yeah, yeah. falling out. And then the hyenas come in and start they, eating they an asshole first. Yep. They yep. don't give a fuck if you. If, yep. You know, they do not yep. give a the fuck. The best thing about humans is we have a compassion inside of us, and we can have ethics that we know. Like, okay, before we eat an animal, we really need to kill it humanely. Yeah. Right. Animals, they don't have that, so they're like, especially if they're desperate. They don't give a fuck if the thing's still fucking living and breathing and grunting oh, and they're it. eating it from the arse in. Yeah. They don't care. There's not that thought, you know. So I always say the best hunter there is out of all the species is a human because we'll kill something epically. And the, like it's fucking going down the deep one now. But in a sense, it's selfish, even those thoughts, because they're just making us feel better. Mm. The animal's going to fucking die. None of that matters. It's dead and done. But we'll still go the extra effort to go, let's, you know, let's make sure it's killed humanely first and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And the argument from vegans is, well, why can't we just kill other humans? Because hmm. it's illegal. Yeah, that's exactly. That's the <laughs> easy. That's the because easiest. other humans have those fucking feelings. You know, that's, that's the thing. Other humans have those feelings. Whereas I've fucking seen animals just leave their young. Yeah. Like I've just seen them leave their young. That's, they don't, that's, oh, okay. That's, we're done with it. We're mm. done. Where did a cow do that uh, last year? Had, had, its, had its calf and then all of a sudden it just decided it didn't want to look after the calf anymore and it just, we end up having to take the calf on and raise it. Mm. So, yeah, it's fucking, but 
And that's the thing. That's the thing about you and getting to know your family is like you care about wildlife more than any yeah, vegan yeah. I've ever met. Yeah. Like you raised, you've, you've, I think it was was it you or Kim pulled along the side of the road and found a joey and yeah. a dead kangaroos, two of them. Yeah. Two yeah. Of them. yeah. And you just take it home. Yeah. Help it get back to health, and then you drop it off at a wildlife sanctuary. Yep. What vegans doing that? No, I fucking don't. Cocksuckers. <laughs> fucking cocksuckers. <laughs> yeah, I think I said before, they're not all cocksuckers. Most of them are cocksuckers. <laughs> Most, of them. Most of them avoid yeah. meat just to suck a big old dick. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, the fucking, everything's so complex, eh? Like, there's, there's no one answer, you know? No. There's what suits you mightn't suit me, you know? And that's, that's why the countries usually run shit, too, because, you know, one group of people won't do what suits everyone. Mm. You know, it's like... There's decisions made, there particularly a lot of decisions in the last few years that are made from the city that affect people in the country that fucking does not suit them one bit, you know? And it's like, that's, how can you have one man running the country, you know, like, like Trump, you know? Not saying he runs it by himself, but it's like, he will never ever keep everyone happy. No. Because the, the people are too diverse. Like, it's too complicated. You know, and hunting, hunting's one of those things where it's so complicated as well that from someone looking in, it looks fucking horrible. But if you're on the in, like me as a hunter, it looks completely different. Mm. You know, we are very compassionate about animals, but we're very real as well that like this is our source of food, you know. And if you look at the whole system, you know, and it's and it stems back to what I said before, like that animal wouldn't exist if it wasn't for human consumption. That animal wouldn't even get a life to start with. The fact that there is a demand for beef on the market means there's more cattle that are getting to have a life. So if you look at it from that perspective, that the best part of the circle is that we do eat those animals at a stage in their life because then we're going to want more to reproduce and have yeah. more animals. And what I should have said at the start with uh, with this whole podcast really is that you kill these animals, you take their life, but you're, you're, you're taking their meat, their energy and feeding yourself with it. It's not yeah. like you just take it kill it, take a photo of it, no, and that's then you right. get your Instagram likes and, and that's it. And the other thing, this is going down the deep path as well, is a certain amount of that animal goes back to the earth, right? Because the stomach and the bones and maybe the hide, maybe some of the meat's left there, that it literally goes back into fertilising the earth. You know, I always, I say this, I was going to get a t-shirt made actually. It says fucking the world is the ultimate predator and it's just got the world on there with a fucking big set of jaws because the world's going to eat every one of us. Eventually that energy will be reclaimed by the soil. Yeah. Except for us with the embalming and all this type yeah, of shit. Yeah, for that. But, but you know, <laughs> that's why I say speaking, to Kim, I fucking don't throw me in a casket when I die. I know we said this the other night at dinner, which was an interesting in dinner conversation. I think it's one path that the human race went majorly wrong on that actually affects the earth. Because I think if something dies, be it a person or whatever, it should sit on the surface. The animal should eat from it. They shit back into the world, and the rest goes back into the world, whether it be parasites, grubs, bugs, whatever and re-fertilizes the earth, you know? So I'm just like, just fucking leave me out in the bush or on top of the mountain and just, it don't matter. It doesn't matter, does it? It fucking it doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. It doesn't matter, you're dead. But that idea, yeah. people thinking about the whole, the death process, that's what terrifies mm. people. But if, if, if like in Aboriginal cultures, you, you told me once, you know, it was just the normal thing to do is just to leave your, your person who's passed away out in the wilderness for something to eat. Yeah. If that was what we did on yeah. a normal basis, then we'd just do it. Yeah. But that's not. It's and not. over years and a period of time, we've decided that that's weird, that's disgusting, that's, yeah, that's yeah. not how us civilised people do it. 
then that's not okay. And now this is what we do. We pump ourselves mm. full of all these chemicals so that we don't uh, decompose, so we can stay good and smell good for our funeral, which is weird. It's so fucking weird. It's a weird thing. To it's like... so weird. It's so weird that it's made death harder to take on now. Sure. I reckon. To accept. Yeah. I think the older people, you know, the ancients, they understood death a lot better and just accepted it. Yeah. You know, and it's fucking true. Like, if it doesn't terrify you, then it should. But the fact is that it's just fucking part of life, isn't it? Mm. You know, and people coming and going. And I think about it all the time. You know, I've got someone very close to me at the moment that's dying, you know, and it's just like makes you think about it. And it sort of makes you also realise that most shit doesn't fucking matter. Mm. You know, it's just we're all going to be fucking gone, you know. But it's just accepting it in another way, you know. It's like, no, well, fucking this is how it happens. This is how it happens in the animal kingdom and we're part of the animal kingdom. Why can we accept it so much better from, say, somewhere like uh, out in the wilds in, in Africa that that's just what's happening? People refuse but we to... we struggle to accept it here. They refuse to believe that we're animals. Mm. And they think that we've taken this point where we've gone from being primates and now we're just this infinite, incredibly infinite intelligent species and we've ruled the world and all that type of mm -hmm. stuff. And, and in many ways we do and in many ways we don't. We look at this stuff with this coronavirus at the moment. People are freaking out about that because these little bugs that we can't see threaten to tear down the very fabric of our, mm -hmm. our relationship with the earth. It's just how the, the, the earth has always worked and how civilization works. Something comes along and it eats something else. Yeah destroys it yeah and on that positive note <laughs> thanks for coming on brother i appreciate no that worries. ladies and gentlemen thank you for a fantastic podcast what would you like to plug down the barrel that camera fucking nothing oh bullshit no who where can people see you nowhere they've seen enough of me <laughs> <laughs> they no they can see me on instagram just adam.greentree but beautiful yeah i don't know if they do or not Oh, fuck it. If you want fuck to fuck it. i'm thinking about going off the grid actually really yeah fuck it why I don't know, something different to do. Sick of people talking to me. Because you get a lot of death threats too. <laughs> people come after you all the I time. I don't anymore, eh? I think I thinned them out. I yeah. fucking used to have some rippers. People were going to come in and rape me kids and fucking all this sort of shit. Just because they don't understand, you know, the human race is pretty narrow-minded. All that because you're hunting. Yeah. But they're probably at a restaurant that night fucking yeah. cutting up a big steak. See, yeah. I don't agree with killing deer. And I've told you this because they look like greyhounds and I've got a greyhound and I just can't. That's you that put, narrow mind. It is. You put a, you, you've got a photo with a big dig, you know, you're going to eat, you have your venison, laughing, you put effort into hunting it. And I'm like, wow. And then I look over and I've got my beautiful little greyhound there with a little slender face looking at me. Going, What's for dinner, Dad? Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, fuck you, green tree. <laughs> but then again, I see you kill a tar or a, or a sheep or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, cool. Yeah, nice. Cool. Yeah, funny. That's eh? that's the way we are, I guess. Yeah, I think um, you just make a connection with certain things, sure. don't you? You know, and then so that's most of the. I understand most of the animal rights stuff. I, you know, I do. Like I'm, I'm not saying that's right, but I understand where it comes from. You know, where because I'm the same. Fuck, I love animals. Dude. Yeah, of course. I love animals. You know, and, uh, and then it's just like you know, well, I love those animals. How could you possibly kill them? You know, they've got a life as well and stuff like that. And it's just because it's just part of this whole circle, you know, yeah. it's what needs to happen for everything to keep going around. Yeah, absolutely. Adam Green Train, ladies and gentlemen, what a guy. What a beautiful man.
It's fucking terrified me. I've got <laughs> some extreme panic attacks happening at the moment inside my own body. Ladies and gentlemen, what an episode. If you want to catch more of this, make sure you subscribe. Check us out on iTunes and Spotify as well. The Butterfield Effect Clips channel. If you can't watch this entire episode, if you got halfway through Adam's story and freaked the fuck out like we all did sitting in here and you want to just watch it in little clips form, check out that. The link is down below. I am in Melbourne as well, coming out for the Melbourne Comedy Festival. You want to check me out there. The brand new hour. Holy shit. It's... Uh, it's going to get me in some strife. So I'm looking forward to debuting that. And Connor, is there anything else? That's it, That's it ladies and gentlemen. Peace the Middle East. Be a good motherfucker. Me dick stinks. Adam, anything else? No, thanks for having me on, man. My pleasure. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>